Hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast. The show about health, well-being, fitness and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Marks. Today I'm excited to talk to Sarah and Macklin. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. <laughs> and um, Sarah is the Jamie Oliver of the nutrition world. She's an international model, public speaker, health journalist, podcaster, and founder of the Be Well Collective. So how are you? And what three things make you smile? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> um, well, I'm very well, thank you. Um, Good. Really, really happy to be speaking to you today. So thank you so much for having me on to your podcast. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and the three things that make me smile, I would say probably, okay, I, gonna say, I sound really British saying this, but it's honestly true, the weather. And I know <laughs> it's the number one British thing to say, but because we're coming into spring and I'm seeing that it's getting warmer and it's getting sunnier and it's lighter in the mornings, it just makes me feel happy. Absolutely. So British, but true in that response. Um, number two, I would say is food. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely heavily involved in my life and now part of my career. So food brings me a lot of happiness and joy. And I would say thirdly is... Um, this is quite a personal one, but um, dogs. And I have a lovely dog from my brother. Um, not, sorry, not from my brother. My brother has a lovely dog. And every time I see it, it brings me the most happiness and joy. So um, I would definitely say Harry as well, Aww. my brother's dog. So that's like your <laughs> nephew. <laughs> it literally, I'm called auntie. So I was like, maybe I don't say this in the podcast for sounding crazy. No. But yeah. No, actually, funnily <laughs> enough, we often do talk about dogs on the podcast because they do bring people so much joy. And also they help people exercise because you have to go and walk the dog 100 percent. yeah it's true and <laughs> they're just always happy Absolutely. and so yeah they give me a lot of joy and they're also very intuitive because they kind of can pick up on your moods like mm -hmm. if you're happy they feel happy but if mm -hmm. you're kind of feeling sad or something's bothering you they can tell and they try and come and comfort you and it's amazing how they can pick up on feelings honestly I mean, a personal story of last week, I actually had a hospital appointment and it was all fine, completely fine. So nothing to worry about. But obviously I was a little bit worried pre going into this appointment. And I went to drive home in Friday afternoon after the appointment and I took Harry with me and he actually put his head on the place where I had my scan. Mm -hmm. Like he just knew that there was a problem and it was just that intuitive and he didn't like, take his head off me the whole journey home on that one area. Mm. Um, and obviously I was completely fine, but it was just quite interesting that that's where he was placing his head and it was just feels me very so sweet. sweet. So they're very intuitive, I think. It's amazing, isn't mm. it? Um, yeah, well, it's interesting with the, those things that make you smile. I was talk about like the joys of life. Food is definitely going to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also think like travel and and you said like good weather and mm. you know summertime. Those things, you know, really friendship, family. You know. Yeah, it's hard to pick three. It is, it but is. definitely, I think they're my top ones. Brilliant. So let's talk about how we met. Obviously, um, we were introduced by a mutual friend of ours, mm -hmm. Naomi Smart, and you came to see me for your, some treatment on your smile. Yeah. 
And obviously, I was on your podcast as well. <laughs> you were. I know. I loved it. I um, was really interesting, actually, the title on um, on my podcast, which is about kind of if your teeth age you. Mm. And um, I remember I actually interviewed Lizelle mm. recently, and that's the one she really picked up on. She was wow. like, oh, I love about this podcast about if teeth age you. And it's, it's interesting because we always think about aesthetics and maybe what we're eating and, you know, new supplements that are coming out that are anti-aging. Um, and I think, you know, really big common theme is like your teeth absolutely and definitely through my modeling career it's something that I've always had to pay attention to so um yeah I think it's very important to look after your teeth I need to book in a checkup <laughs> <laughs> it makes you think of it now being <laughs> it there. I know but yeah absolutely with you know um, for us like sugar intake is really important low sugar intake which I, I you know obviously mm. you're aware of for nutrition as well and that's a big buzzword kind of avoiding refined sugars and then another thing is obviously the brushing and the flossing and regular dental checkups but all of that helps your teeth and gums and just gives you a greater sense of wellness and well-being anyway mm. and they do say like a great smile is is youthful do you know what i mean and um and and it just kind of lights up the face and uh, kind of like strong healthy bright mm. teeth uh, associated with a youthful appearance so yeah it's a, and it's a fantastic thing and then also when you're confident with your smile you're more uh happy and it gives you more uh, ability to bring your personality through mm. so you know definitely it's a, it's a great thing Let's start with fitness. Tell me why it's been important in your life and what is your approach to fitness? Everyone has something different and different way of building into their time and also what they like to do. Mm, yeah, really good question. Um, I love working out um, and I think I've always being quite an active individual, even as a child, you know, I used to run for my county, I was dancing from the age of two and a half, my mum got me to ballet lessons very early. Um, so I've always been quite active. And for me, it's never, well, actually, I went to that because at one point, it was very much linked to my figure, I would say within modelling. But up to that point, it was very much just doing it for enjoyment. And I loved it. And then obviously, I went to the fashion industry. So my idea and the relationship with fitness changed because it was more than about aesthetic, which is the wrong way, I think, to look at fitness. Mm. And through doing that, I actually then realized how important it is for mental health. And again, completely changed my kind of mindset around fitness. And now my mindset is very much drawn to how I feel, um, not putting pressure on myself. I think I was always under the impression that I had to work out most days and feel active and move my body and I now am more intuitive with my body and think do I need to move it as much as I should today do I need to relax it do I need to have more rest periods and I think that's something really important um we all have different relationships I guess with fitness some people need more encouragement to get out that door and need kind of more of that enthusiasm and I think I'm the opposite I need it to be toned back and sometimes be more intuitive with I need to rest and relax and incorporate maybe just some stretches and and no gym sessions so my relationship with um, fitness is now about just actually working in line with how I feel and recognizing my emotions and my body and um, working with it intuitively. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really interesting about how you can 
perhaps like push yourself too much and、mm. then how learning to kind of relax and obviously there's like yoga and pilates and things、mm. where you can do gentle exercise or learning just to stretch and and knowing that、mm. and it, yeah i think it's interesting actually because there was this huge boom in yoga and i love yoga but i also think yoga can also feel very Intense and exercise as well because you can have like power yoga and I did <laughs> did a yoga session the other day. I invited my friend because I thought、oh, I really need some kind of restorative time. Let's do some calming yoga and this one had like weights in it, five kilo <laughs> weights. And I was like, this、like、is not class. Yeah, it, well, it genuinely was and it was such an intense workout. And so I think you know you know even our mindset has shifted towards those workouts as well.、Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is there is. It's fantastic that there's so much more choice out there, but I think it is important to be not put pressure on yourself and to be intuitive with with how you feel. And it's also interesting what you mentioned about the modeling world and how you know there could be a drive for aesthetics, but、mm. with that you might not actually be healthy. Someone might look great from the outside,、mm. but in reality they're not healthy within、mm-hmm. either physically or mentally. So. Then you know there's something more to it than that, and、mm. now at least they're beginning to embrace more body types in modeling、mm. industry, and hopefully, that's moving forward. You know, yeah, absolutely, it's really important.、Mm. You're an accredited nutritionist, so what's your approach to that on like a daily eating basis for yourself?、Mm. And what would you recommend for other people? Yeah, I'm a registered、um, nutritionist, and I work a lot with disordered eating, with also high performance and optimization. And a large approach to how I look at nutrition is so many times, and you might see this as well、um, within healthcare, is that we always kind of deal with a problem. And try to find a solution when we have a problem, as opposed to actually looking at preventing these problems and conditionings coming forward. And for me, that's really important because there's so much more we can do to look after ourselves to try and help prevent these kind of chronic health problems that we're suffering with in the UK and globally.、Um, how I approach my diet, I don't generally talk about my specific approach because we're all so individual,、mm-hmm. and I, I definitely、that. have a.、Um, Because I have a presence on social media, and、um, again, as as an authority figure with the nutrition world, I wouldn't want to ever tell people my daily diet and influences their choices by the lifestyle that I lead.、Um, but I do eat a variety of、um, diversity of plant based foods. It's really important to me. I'm not a vegan, but I do try to have predominantly plant based. Um, a lot of my research has been around omega threes,、mm. and that's with oily fish. So I do try to consume that once, twice a week. Really important for our brain health、um, and focus, as well as many other benefits like anti-inflammatory and things like that.、Um, but I think a really big part of how I approach diet overall, and what I really try to convey to people, is it's about diversity and about trying to introduce new foods and becoming familiar with new foods and not being、um, Afraid of them,、um, and because we know so much about diversity is linked to improved gut health and our gut microbiome, and there's so much research now exploding、mm-hmm. in that field. It's、build. a big, big thing now. It's huge, especially with like Tim Spector and all of his fantastic research、um, at King's College, and he's kind of really brought the gut microbiome to the forefront. Absolutely. Today, so you know, a lot of 
a lot of times we see headlines in papers and magazines and on the internet about specific diets and cutting things out and I you know I really do try unless you have a real blown allergy or an intolerance um, to try and not cut too many things out of your diet because what we want to be doing is trying to optimize as many different sources of nutrients as possible and you do that from getting a range of foods so that's something that I really try to advocate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they often talk about like colourful food in a very mm. diet being important, don't they? And it's really difficult, actually, I think, because so many times you want to be saying, well, if you do this and this and this, yeah. you know, this can be the outcome. And, you know, sadly, a lot of people do, but that's just, you know, ethically not correct. And yeah. I was speaking to um, Giles Yeo, who's a geneticist from Cambridge University, around like why diets don't work and and things like that. And you know, it, it's true. He mentioned a lot of times, you know, it's not sexy to say have a healthy, balanced diet. It doesn't sell. You know, no. it doesn't sell packaging it's and a, products and yeah. supplements. Everything is cut this out, cut that out. Exactly. Restrict yourself. <laughs> yeah, but like the kind of true evidence. Um, is a balanced diet. It's a balanced diet. <laughs> and it's it's that really boring saying about moderation. I know that doesn't sell, and I know that's like quite mundane to think it's not a quick fix, but I think we also need to be looking at how we optimize our lifestyle for the long term. And it shouldn't be about quick fixes. Um, because in the end we are wanting to look at longevity and that comes with a balanced approach. And the more balanced approach you have, the more you can maintain that long term. So the better impact it will have. So I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think some of these diets about the way they brand it. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's about a branding thing. But no, you're definitely right. Better to have a very diet and a personalized approach is the way to go. It really is because we're all so unique. And I think that's what's really important is we can, especially with kind of the boom of social media, it's so easy for us to have comparisons with one another and kind of think, well, this is working for my friend or this is working for a celebrity. I will try this approach and your microbiome, your individual makeup is so different to the person that you're comparing yourself to. So that's a very important thing to remember that what works for somebody else might not work for you for a host of different reasons. Exactly. We did talk about a little bit, kind of touched on that in the fashion industry and um, models who have to look a certain way and keep healthy. How do you think there is a pressure on still within the fashion industry, but how do you think it's trying to be addressed and are things moving forward in that way? Mm, no, it's a good question. I mean, it's the reason why I actually started the BY Collective, which is my mental health organisation. And that started really just from my own experience in the industry and realising that there was a real need for some kind of support. I think when you're, you know, at that high performance, whether it's in the modelling industry or the sport industry or the music industry or, or you know, any of these high performance industries, and you don't have anyone to turn to to say, well, how do I kind of maintain this look or, you know, what advice can I get? We don't have any expert to gain that knowledge from. And it's a very um, young and influential age group that when you start in this industry. So I created the BY Collective to basically bring in a host of experts and a community resource, really, for young adults to turn to. And now we've extended that basically throughout the fashion industry. And now we're predominantly not specifically just aligned to the fashion industry. We're aligned to all young adults throughout the UK, which is, is really important. But predominantly, that's kind of How where the route started. Yeah. yeah, because I saw the need. I do think the approach is changing slowly. Um, I think 
it can be a double-edged sword that I think outwardly it can be shown to be changing. Behind the scenes, I'm not sure mm. if it is, mm-hmm. um, how quickly. Um, I do think people are starting to recognise the need for change and consumer demand that we don't just want to see size six or size zero models all the time. Um, but certain designers will still carry on with with that trend because that's what they feel their clothes and how they're shown best as clothes hangers. You know, you're not you're quite dehumanised as a model. You're not you're not really seen as as a as a person. You're seen there to show off the clothes in, in their best fashion, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to be knowing as a personality or as a human being, mm-hmm. um, like a celebrity or or somebody like that. So I think it. The conversations are there, and I think that's really important. The work that I've been doing with the Be Work Collective for the last four years is trying to engage these big brands with the importance around that, with building a community. I can say the majority of them don't really care, (laughs) (laughs) being honest. They're more interested in sustainability, and that's where they kind of are telling me all their resources are going at the moment. So it's really hard to hear that and then read about that it is changing because behind the scenes and the conversations that I'm having... They don't seem to be as engaged. But the one amazing thing that we are getting out of it is that all the UK modelling agencies are now signed to the BWAG Collective. So we are introducing mental health training and the importance of language and educating a support system for models and young adults as well. So, yeah, I would say it's an answer that's, I think, still ongoing. Yes. Um, but there are some positive conversations starting to happen for sure. Which is good. Yeah. Which is good, definitely. Let's talk about self-discipline and having a positive mentality. And that kind of ties in also with talking about mental health and how you manage this yourself. And what kind of comments do you have on that? And what's your experience been? So is that how I approach my mental health and how I look after it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really important, actually. I think it's a really important one that so many of us can overlook time to time. You know, an analogy that I speak about is that, again, we spoke about fitness in the beginning and we're all quite comfortable talking about that. Like, we know we've got to look after our bodies, exercise, move it. If we don't stretch it, we could get injuries. If we don't move it enough, you know, we're at risk of metabolic syndrome and obesity and these kind of things. Um, and if we eat the wrong foods and drink too much alcohol, we get fatty liver disease. So I think all of these things are very aware of and we talk about it quite openly and we try to make active choices to, to help that. When it comes to our brain, our brain's an organ, um, but we tend to shy away from exercising that organ and there's a lot of stigma still attached to it. And it's really important that you know our brain is an organ and we do need to look after it. So as much as we're looking after our bodies by going to the gym and eating well and trying to not drink too much alcohol, maybe not smoke, we seem to just kind of digress from the brain side of things because there's too much stigma there. But actually, if we can look after our mental health through doing self-care, through going to therapy, through building communities and close-knit support groups of friends that we can rely on to call when we're having a hard time and talk about our problems, that actually is fantastic to helping prevent and look after your mental health. So for me, things that are really important is, again, making sure I check in on my movements every day have I if I've not exercised have I gone on a walk have I got some light like some lux to help me sleep sleep is really important for my mental health one thing I used to really overlook was my sleep and just think I get up at six and and start a workout or log straight onto my emails and have a really productive first hour of my morning before everyone wakes up but now I realize probably not the best thing for my mental health Mm -hmm. um throughout the day so I really try to prioritize sleep 
Um, I really try to eat nutritionally. I do always go for walks. And for me, I, I really do try to make sure I have enough social interaction time because I think so many times we can be in our phones, be on Instagram, work really hard and forget about a really big part of our life that actually is really important to help our mental health flourish. So I do try to inject some really important time throughout my week and weekends of spending time with people that I love socially as well. So I think we can overlook that side quite heavily, but that's really important for me. Um, and then, yeah, I meditate oh, no. as well. That's really important. Um, just to kind of give yourself five minutes throughout the day just to calm and reset your mind. And and the word meditation, I think, can really scare people because I think, for, well, it scared me, I guess. I always think I'd sit there with my legs crossed and not think about anything <laughs> like a Buddha. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm doing this all wrong and there'd be a lot of shame attached to it. <laughs> um, and now sometimes I, you know, I even have a walking meditation. Like sometimes if I'm just walking, I'll actually put on a walking meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't like one way to to meditate. It's about how it works for you. And for me, I'm an active person. So if I'm stressed and I need to go on a walk, but I want to switch my mind off, I will put on a walking meditation. So yeah, that's kind of how I try to optimize and look after my mental health. Yeah, again, I think, you know, it can be very individual. Mm. And um, I think also that um, it's interesting about what you mentioned with the social interactions and how important that is, you know, with people who had been isolated through Mm. this, what we've been through, and um, people really realise that they they needed it and it's even more important. And humans are social creatures, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, I think we all saw that. I think the big rise in mental health conversation started really in COVID because everyone was suffering with with mental health. And there's a thing, isn't it, that you're scared to talk about it because you think that you're going to be labelled with this disease of mental health. But we all have a brain. So we all have mental health. doesn't mean that you have a mental health condition, but we all suffer time to time with high amounts of stress um, and loneliness and isolation. And that's, you know, that's really what COVID brought to the forefront was that we all suffered. And, you know, I definitely struggled. I was on my own. I lived on my own. And I think that isolation is something we're not meant to be going through as human individuals. Social interaction is so important. So now I really, really do try to make sure I invest heavily into that side. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting you said everybody has mental health of some degree and Mm. it's different experiences, you know. Some people have kind of anxieties, some people overthink things and and some people may be almost like more hyperactive and Mm -hmm. it's different ways and obviously some people feel low. So Mm. it's it's interesting how everyone's experience is different. Um, But it's just as you're trying to balance your exercise and, and look after your body, you have to look after it you know, have to your look mental after well-being. our brain, for sure. And we have to talk about it. We have to be exactly. not afraid to to reach out when you're just feeling a bit low and a bit rubbish. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't I think anyone also that does reach out to you, you don't have to be a therapist and give a, a solution. It's just listening. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for those who are overthinkers, just so it's not heavily in their mind and they're allowing that to be shared mm-hmm. um, is really, really important. Exactly. And I think as well, like everybody faces challenges within life. Like, Mm. you know, life can bring those challenges and mountains to climb Mm -hmm. and forks in the road. So, you know, um, those things will will obviously affect anybody. And um, Mm. but it's kind of like how we can support each other on the journey. Definitely. And, you know, 
it's 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 one of those things isn't it life is a complete unexpected journey and through those really hard times comes through so much growth of somebody and as an individual but it's so important to lean on your support system through that time Mm-hmm. Can you think of any kind of like personal struggles or, or kind of professional struggles that mm. you had that you've really kind of uh, managed to overcome that, mm. that stick in your mind as a time? I mean, hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could do a whole podcast. We'll on do this. a second episode. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely not one or two. I'm kind of like, there's a lot. Um, and anyone close to me in my life would, would agree that I've definitely not had an easy ride. Um, as, as anyone has actually no one's had an easy ride I don't know if anyone's had an easy journey um in their life but yeah I've had a lot I've had a lot of questionings about if I'm doing the right thing um you know I started off modeling at a really young age a really influential age and you know I was living in New York by the time I was 19 and promised the world and actually did exceptionally well in my career but my god I was lonely and but nobody spoke about loneliness back then mm. um you know I didn't I didn't even know really what mental health was I hadn't ever heard the word anxiety or anything like that and looking at a young adult flying around the world on their own staying in a different hotel room every night maybe not even get to stay in a hotel room because the overnight flight would be your bed mm. You know, every time trying to make a plan with your friends or family being cancelled because you were back to back with work and kind of just feeling like you're living this life on your own without any support group because every day you would be with a different set of people. Quite hard to navigate when you're quite young. Yeah, yeah. Um, as well as every day worried about an imperfection that's going to come up or if you're on your period and you're going to be bloated or feeling awful and then someone's going to point that out on set in front of 50 people, you know, your self-esteem is pretty rocketed at that point. And, but you're also meant to, you know, be very, and you are very grateful of being given this amazing opportunity. So you don't talk about it. You just kind of deal with it. And then, you know, that just grows as anxiety within you. So for sure. And then I think, you know, I started realizing how important nutrition was and how I might not be optimizing my own nutrition because I was so, you know, aware of my work and things like that. And then wanting to go and study it and understand more about it. But, you know, there was a real pivotal point where everyone in my life was like, you are crazy. Why would you ever go and study nutrition? Because when I was studying it, also, it wasn't a buzzword. Nobody spoke about nutrition. Science was not cool. Um, you also started on, you know, looking at the NHS on on your earnings of like 18000 a year. And you're going from a high-performing career flying around the world to... I'm going to go and study for 10 plus thousand pounds a year and then go into a job that probably won't pay off my loan. Um, And everyone just thinking, why would you do that? And so there was, you know, no need for nutritionists back then. Nobody spoke about it, but it was something that was really important and passionate for me. So there was definitely times in in my life when I questioned myself. I thought I was doing the wrong thing. And there's that awful thing when you're not sure if you're making the right decision or not. And that fear can ultimately stop so many people to actually following their passions, even if it's not the most lucrative direction. Um, And so I've definitely had times in my life where I've like, you know, second guessed myself or give myself a really hard time or thought I'd failed and and had people told me that I'd failed by making the wrong choice. And I think you've just got to really try and stay intuitive to what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And I think throughout my 20s, I mean, it was an absolute disaster in so many places, a complete disaster. But through that, you know, 
I really tried to to, to question myself mm. and find what my purpose was. Mm. Um, and I think I'm still going to always be on that journey. Mm -hmm. But I think more of the forefront about what's important to me has kind of I've nourished and I've I've tried to take on board. But it's not been easy. No, no. it's definitely not been easy. Um, through doing that, there's definitely been times when I've struggled financially through that or worried about if I've chucked a career away and if people are going to think I'm crazy and if I'm intelligent enough to do something like that because you get told as a model you're meant to be thick and just look pretty and, <laughs> you know, then going to do biochemistry. You know, there's this whole kind of like, is she meant to be doing that and being judged? And, you know, a lot of stereotypes kind of come to the forefront and, you know, you just got to really have belief in yourself and I think you know that's something that I've struggled with in my 20s but feel that I'm kind of starting to to get there now so there's a lot of yeah, yeah kind of a lot of lot of interesting stories yeah well I think that's the thing um you know we can be very self-critical but mm. it's interesting how by following your passion you've come to that place and it often seems to mm. be that if you do follow something that you're really passionate about things can have a way of working themselves out Completely. afterwards. And, you know, there's so much fear in changing directions, changing your job, um, changing where you're living, whatever, whatever it is. There's so much uncertainty that comes with change. But through the uncertainty, you grow and you, you do find a direction. I think something that I've had to definitely come to terms with being quite a perfectionist and just how I am myself is that you will never know what's around the corner so you can't predict the next five years mm. of your life you can't predict <laughs> you can't if, plan everything you can't and if I you know you kind of think what well, if I'm going to change am I going to be successful or, or or will I understand what I'm doing or will I want to venture more into this career you just have to go for it and just go do you know what if it doesn't work I've tried, but the worst thing I actually never want to do is have a regret and think I should have done something. And it can be so much easier said than done because we're all in different situations, um, which allows us to do these things. But I would say, you know, always, if you can, just don't fear. Just just try to go through it, especially for overthinkers. Um, we'll always try and talk ourselves out of, of making a change or, 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 you know, doing something within our lives that could give us ultimately real happiness. Um, so yeah, trying not to overthink is, is a big learning life lesson I've definitely come through. Brilliant. And well, going on to something like a uh, really positive and uh, a great moment, um, you were named Woman of the Year by Rake Magazine <laughs> in 2019. I was. <laughs> so um, how did that come about and how did you feel and, and was it a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> um, was it, yeah, I think any award you get given is a surprise because I think, I, uh, for me, I'm always my biggest self-critic. So I always think, or I've never done enough, or I've, I've got so much more I need to do. And you never really, I don't think anyone looks back on their lives or looks on their success and pats themselves on the back. You're always thinking of the next thing. Of um, and that came about because, funny enough, I mean, I'm trying to think actually what the article was about, but from the top of my head, I remember Rake Magazine was the first front cover I did at 18. I think I was 18. And it was quite funny, actually. The, he's a very dear friend of mine now, the editor, but um, sorry, the owner, not the editor of, of that magazine, um, through this, actually. But he put me on the front cover, and I was 18, and we were in Shoreditch, and it was snowing, and it was a Get Carter shoot. I don't know if you remember that mm -hmm, film. Mm -hmm. And so the guy had this, like, full-on trench suit, like, trench coat, big suit underneath, umbrella, like, very warm. 
I was there in like hold ups, a bra, and pants. <laughs> in the snow. In the snow. And they were like, look, just look happy. And I was like, I am so cold. <laughs> and remember, like, you know, going inside and we were in a warehouse, so you couldn't even go in and warm up. You're going in just to be out of the snow, but still in a freezing cold warehouse in January. And that is genuinely the back scenes from, of, of a modeling shoot. And I remember just actually, you know, chucking myself in and not complaining and that was one of my first shoots with them and that was the first cover I did and then later on I shot with them again as their main fashion and then I had this career change and um, Waco who owns Rake magazine I think invited me out for lunch one day and was like I'm really interested in what you're studying he was getting very much into nutrition himself and he started to see my journey of of that transition um, and then I graduated and then I was invited to European Parliament to give a talk on dietary guidelines um, and I was the lead nutritionist on that and from there I did a TED talk and he just kind of started seeing the nutrition side really unfold and, and that transition I think that's where it where the woman of the year came from was just kind of the the dedication towards towards that side of things actually and um but it was just quite funny because you know what he was writing about in the end was completely different to how he met me in a scenario in like <laughs> underwear in the middle of Shoreditch to then kind of speaking in parliament so um yeah I think uh the article is kind of based based around that and um the you know the goals that I have to really kind of help prevent metabolic disorders like type 2 diabetes that can be really really prevented through looking at someone's diet and not just putting them on metformin and, and medicating them like trying to get more to the root causes of, of actually how we can reverse diabetes because we know that we can do that now so a lot of the articles based around actually that brilliant mm. well it's a brilliant cause <laughs> obviously we talked to the about it being difficult to plan things but what would you say are your are your dreams or hopes or where may you see yourself going? Oh, it's a very good question. Do you know what? One at a good time this year, I really sat down in January to kind of assess where I am going. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> what like, are we all doing? <laughs> what are we doing? What am I doing? <laughs> and I got to this point in my career where I think, you go, hmm, what is next? Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? What am I doing right now? Um, you know, for me, social impact is really at the heart. I don't think anyone creates a not-for-profit yeah. <laughs> unless yeah. it's because you really want to make really change, because you yeah. really care, because it's not easy. Um, and now I've really realised that that's at a really cool part of who I am is making change mm. and helping others. And that is, I guess, a large transition of my career. So I think, like, you know, the next kind of five years is impacting more through the BWAG collective you know what I'm reading at the moment that you know young children the Wall Street Journal wrote this week are from the ages of five getting heightened anxiety attacks mm -hmm. and you know it's terrifying that mm -hmm. parents are now really having to be aware of young school kids mm -hmm. really struggling with their mental health and so much about what the BWAG collective tried to do is work on prevention mm -hmm. especially in young adults with mental health and so for me we are obviously still aligned in the industry of fashion side, but for the last year we've been heavily influenced and, and impacting a lot in the UK. So for me, a really big goal is to kind of work more with with the charity of what I with, of the charity of mental health and impact more on young adults and and really start bringing these community values and conversations and reducing the stigma. It's a really big part of something that I feel is important that I'd like to do more of. Um, and then I think you know. 
nutrition is is such a big part of my life so there's a lot I want to do expanding that um but whether I kind of say this on a podcast because if it doesn't happen then I feel like I would have failed Mm. but there's a lot that I want to do with that whether it's kind of you know implementing more in schools bringing more kind of fun and exciting topics but also recipes like actually how you implement this into people's lives into dietary change I think we talk about it a lot but it's trying to get people yeah cooking again and Mm. you know I love cooking I'm definitely an amateur chef um or amateur cook not a chef sorry but you know I really want to try and make that exciting for many people and available so there's a lot of things I want to do in the nutrition sector as well and keep that growing so um yeah brilliant can't give you an answer but uh, exciting yeah you know, that makes it exciting yeah, yeah yeah well thank you so much for joining me sarah and i think it's really interesting to hear how um your journey has been so far and and what you've got planned for the future kind of coming from the fashion and modeling world at such mm. a young age and um how even being around so many people and kind of overcoming isolation and self-criticalness and mm. and coming into more um knowledge of yourself and and following your passion mm. i think that's amazing to where you end up today yeah. and um obviously um the non-profit and, and, and helping others seems like you've definitely found uh, something that um, kind of makes you feel fulfilled. So uh, it's exciting for us to see what's next. <laughs> we'll keep tuned. <laughs> Please do. So follow um, Sarah on at Sarah and Macklin or the Be Well Collective on at B underscore well underscore collective and all the links are in the show notes. And thank you for listening. If you liked today's show, hopefully you did. <laughs> Please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It was presented by me, Dr. Richard Marks. For more about me, I'm on at Dr. Underscore Richard Underscore, lots of underscores. Or visit my website, www.drrichardlondon.com. Uh, this is a Pod People production. It was recorded at Spiritland Studios, and the music is by Delhi Music. And we will see you next time. <laughs>